0: This message by Mike Pluniac was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Mike serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Open your Bibles to Psalm 73. If you need a Bible this morning, if you don't have one, just raise your hand and our ushers would be happy to bring you a Bible, which is yours to keep. We're going to go through all of Psalm 73. It'd be good to have a Bible In front of you this morning. This summer, we're focused on counsel from the Psalms as God counsels us this morning about what one author called one of the greatest sins of the 21st century envy, the sin of envy. Psalm 73, beginning in verse 1. This is counsel for our souls from God's Word today. Psalm 73, verse 1, a psalm of Asaph. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I "...was envious of the arrogant, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment." Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongues strut through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, How can God know Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. We're going to pause there. And we're going to read the second half later. Asaph, who wrote this psalm, is struggling. Obviously, he's struggling. He's not doing well in his soul. And in retrospect, he sees the problem clearly. The problem is envy. He is envious of the wicked. And he shows us in this psalm the problem with envy, the effects of envy on our soul. And in the second half, he's going to give us the cure for envy this morning. We're going to get counsel for our envy so we can be cured of it this morning. I think God is counseling us from this psalm. I think this is the main point. God is counseling us to free us from the poison of envy so we can be satisfied in him alone. He's counseling us from Psalm 73 to free us from the poison of envy So we can be satisfied in him alone. And the psalm is really broken into two halves. So we're going to have two points this morning. And point number one, we're going to see the destructive power of envy. In the verses that we just read, verses 1 through 15, the destructive power of envy. Look back at verse 2 with me. He says... As for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Stumbling here is a... It's a vivid analogy because we all know that feeling. We can relate to what the psalmist is saying, that feeling of, of tripping on something, of, of losing our balance. It happens in about a half a second, but it seems like an eternity goes by. That feeling of fear and, and, and a rush of adrenaline as our face is about to smash into the ground. And then we catch ourselves and we all look around to see who saw us stumble and almost trip. You know you do it; I do too because we're embarrassed we did this. And he's applying that analogy of stumbling spiritually. Spiritually stumbling. Spiritually tripping. Feeling like we're going to fall. Losing our balance. That feeling of being disoriented. It happens suddenly and we don't know what's happening. He's saying This happened to him spiritually. He spiritually tripped. He stumbled. And the crack in the sidewalk that he trips on is envy. Verse 3, for I was envious. He sees it clearly now. This is a timely text for us today. This is what Guy Richard says. He says, envy may well be one of the greatest sins of the 21st century. I believe that envy has become so widespread because new purveyors of this sin have become part of the fabric of our culture, most especially through the smartphone and the use of social media. People in every generation have undoubtedly struggled with being content with themselves and with the things that God has given them. But smartphones and access to social media have exacerbated these struggles in our own day, listen to this, by constantly bombarding us with reminder after reminder of what we aren't, but others are, and of what we don't have, but others do. Constantly bombarded reminder after reminder after reminder. Biblically, if you look at the 10th commandment, it's about not coveting our neighbor's stuff. And the application was you lived and you would look at your neighbor's house to the left and to the right, and you would see the things they had and what they were, were, and you were tempted to covet those things, to envy those things. Today, our neighbor has become everybody online, constantly bombarding us with everything they have and they are doing, and it tempts us to envy. That's why maybe may be the greatest sin of the 21st century, Guy Richard says. So what is envy? When he says in verse 3, I was envious, what was happening? Envy is a resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by someone else. It's an awareness, a resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by someone else. It could be almost anything. They have an advantage and you don't have that. If you want to see envy, just serve in our children's ministry younger hallway any given Sunday. Rooms, I mean rooms filled with Toys and books, enough for every child to have dozens to themselves. And yet, as they enter into children's ministry, what toy do they want? Oh, yeah, it's the one the other kid is playing with. And they deserve it. It's their turn to play with that toy. And does the other child playing with it say, Yes, you can have this now? Oh, no. You wanting it just shows how valuable it is. And I'm going to play with it forever. <laughs> it's, it's humorous to watch, right? But listen, we have the same heart issue. The toys have just gotten bigger. We have the same heart. We struggle with envy. We can envy those who have a nicer house or a newer Car. We can envy those who have a smaller house than us at times. We can envy how they de- decorate. And it's not just stuff we envy. I think the hard thing is when we see what, what Guy Rich says, what, what they are and what we're not. We can envy their friendships. We can see pictures of people online spending time together, and we can think, I, I wish I was a part of that. I wish I was their friend. I wish I had friends like that. We can envy marriages. We can envy family life, vacations, seeing pictures of those on vacation. We can envy that. We can envy someone else's job, thinking it's easier than ours. We can envy their relationship with their extended family because we don't have that. We can envy folks who are in a relationship or when they get engaged or when they get married. We can envy siblings and their success. We can see differences and an advantage they have that's recognized, and we can envy our siblings. We can envy when someone else's child succeeds and ours doesn't, when they get the award and our child doesn't. We can envy their lifestyle. We can envy someone else's body and wish ours was like theirs. Listen, the possibilities for envy are endless, and we are constantly Bombarded with the opportunity to envy. It can be anything, everywhere, and we're constantly bombarded with this opportunity. One writer said, Envy is the universal emotion no one seems to have because we don't talk about it, but it's prevalent. It, everybody struggles with it. Maybe we should all stand up this morning and introduce ourselves. Good morning. My name is Mike, and I struggle with envy. Everyone say, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Mike. (laughs) Psalm 1 is so helpful because it gives voice to our struggle. The psalmist invites us in. He says, man, I stumbled. I was envious. And here's the effects it had on my soul. And what he does is he invites us in, he shows us the danger of envy. Just because we all struggle with this doesn't mean it's okay. It is doing damage to our souls. Envy is poison to our souls. You hear it in Asaph's voice in Psalm 73. You hear his discontent. He's unhappy. He's he's frustrated. He's wallowing in self-pity. He's questioning God's justice and goodness to him, and the root cause is envy. It is just wreaking havoc on his soul, and ours too. This is the effect it has on us. Proverbs 14:30: "A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. But envy makes the bones rot." Isn't that descriptive? It makes our bones rot. It's a disease to our soul. It's, it's cancer to our enjoying God. It's poison to our contentment and gratitude to the Lord. It robs us of joy. It is a disease. It's cancer. It's why it makes us stumble. Listen, are you struggling spiritually? Are you discontent? Do you lack joy? It could be envy is the cause. Maybe this is why, because you are envious of others, of the wicked, of the arrogant. Envy is a heart issue, it's not a circumstance issue. It's really not about what they have and who they are and what I'm not because there's always gonna be someone else with an advantage over you in some area of your life. That's why there's always opportunities to envy. There's always gonna be someone who has an advantage over you. So you have to deal with the heart. This is what Jesus says in Mark chapter seven. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these come from within and they defile the person. It's what they've been talking about in our cornerstone, you real change. This is coming out of our heart. This envy is not a problem with everyone else and what they're doing, what they have envy is a problem with our hearts inside of us. It's not a circumstance problem. Changing your circumstances won't solve the problem of envy. A great biblical illustration of this is the envy King Saul felt for David. You can read about it in 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 1 Samuel 18 later. But you probably remember this scene where David had just killed Goliath. The army is returning to Jerusalem. There is a victory parade going on. Saul is the king of the army. So he's returning to his city. He's the king. Everybody is celebrating. All the women come out and they're singing these songs. They're just lining the streets as the army comes in and Saul is in front and they're singing these songs, celebrating. And Saul... Saul has everything. I mean, he's the king. He has position. He has power. He has wealth. He has fame. He has praise. However, the song they begin to sing, it celebrates Saul and David. And this is the song that they are singing. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his 10,000s. Oh, no, you did not, 10,000s. And this angered Saul. I mean, even though he is the king, his army won, this is a parade for him. And yet he cannot handle sharing the stage with this shepherd boy. And he begins to envy David. He can't handle it. You probably know the story. He plots against him. He becomes irrational, paranoid, obsessed with David's demise. He tries to kill David because envy doesn't just want what the other person has. It wants that person brought down to where I am. Nobody can have an advantage over me. They shouldn't get to enjoy that if I don't get to enjoy that. It wants the other person brought down. Envy rejoices when others weep, and it weeps when others rejoice. Doesn't it rejoice with those who rejoice, it rejoices when others weep. Frederick Buchner defines envy as the consuming desire to have everybody else as unsuccessful as you are. I thought that was a, a really, you know, insightful definition. I, I really just... I don't don't necessarily want what they want. I just don't want them to enjoy it. That's what I want. And that's what Asaph wants. That's what he walks through in Psalm 73 in verses 4 through 12. He's looking at the wicked and the arrogant, and he wants them brought down, but they're prospering. He doesn't like their prospering. He doesn't like, as he says in verses 4 through 5, they don't seem to suffer their lives just seem easy. It's just a carefree life. He doesn't like that because he's suffering. Why do they get to enjoy life if I'm suffering? I want them to suffer. Verse 7, they're self-indulgent. They just get whatever they want. Everything seems easy for them. I don't get whatever I want. Why should they get it? He doesn't like that. Verses 8 through 9, they think they're better than other people because they're prospering. And this is a sticking point, I think. If you look down at verse 10, I think this is a temptation for him, okay? People find no fault with them. He doesn't like this. Asaph is a worship leader. He's with King David. He leads worship in the temple, and people are looking at these people because of their prosperity, because life is easy, because they have all these good things. People are looking at them, and they find no fault with them. And here he is, faithfully serving the Lord, and yet people are esteeming them. This is a temptation for him. This is envy. Listen, we have a culture like almost every culture. It's not unique to our culture, but we have a culture that is drawn to celebrities. It's drawn to the rich to athletes, to musicians, to politicians, to actors, where, where being an influencer is people's ambition now. I read a recent stat that 86% of youth say they want to grow up to be an influencer. It used to be they wanted to grow up to be an astronaut. Now they want to be an influencer. And the reason is because they see it works. They're They see these people. They're listening to them. There would be no such thing as an influencer if people weren't so easily influenced, you know? And this bothers the psalmist. He sees them esteemed, and people are looking up to them and honoring them and and listening to them and following them. And he is envying that. He envies that. And he summarizes it in verse 12. Behold, these are the wicked always at ease, they increase in riches. And then, this is very insightful what he does, because I think this is what we do. In verses 13 through 14, he, the result of envy is self-pity. He pities himself. And this is so destructive to our soul. You can hear the self-pity in his voice. Look at verses 12 through 14. Behold, these are the wicked Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean. Washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I've been stricken, rebuked every morning. That's my best Eeyore impersonation right there. I mean, just, you hear it in his voice. Here they are, always at ease money piling up on top of money here i am every morning rebuked stricken it's in vain i've served the lord you know if this is how the lord is going to treat me after all i've done for him you know it's in vain that i've done all these things for the lord and you can just you can you can just hear him describing the self-pity oh woe is me you know self-pity is when you feel sorry for yourself because you're not getting what you think you deserve. Self-pity is deceptive because it sounds humble. Oh, you know, look at me. Woe is me. I'm a horrible person. It sounds humble, but it's really proud. It's pride. It doesn't feel like pride. You know, when when you're battling self-pity... When, when we first got married, I wrestled with self-pity. I gave in to self-pity, you know, and it doesn't feel like, you feel like you're being humble, but you're really being proud because self-pity makes us think we're a victim, right? It makes us think that somehow we're the victim in all of this going on. But really, the truth is we're being proud. We're not a victim. We're the problem when we're having self-pity. We think we deserve better is the root. And its envy leads to self-pity. Listen to Joe Rigney. He has something really helpful about this. Joe Rigney, just, you got you to stick with this one. I think it's really helpful. He says, pride is selfish rebellion when it occupies a superior position. Envy is the same impulse when it stands beneath another. Pride looks down on those below with smug and satisfied arrogance Envy looks at those above with chafing hatred. Envy and self-pity are just pride when it doesn't get what it wants. It's the same heart issue. I think I deserve better. Listen, if you wrestle with self-pity, have you considered envy could be the issue? Pride is certainly an issue, Have you considered envy could be the root issue? Do you scroll through social media and feel left out, lonely, like you don't have real friends? Do you scroll through, upset with others for enjoying those things? Are you scrolling, just feeling self-pity? Envy might be the culprit. That's why God's word is counseling us today. And it might be that the Holy Spirit is using Psalm 73 to pull up a chair beside you, to shed light on this heart issue so that you can be set free. He's shining a light on this issue and saying this feeling, this self-pity, the self-pity, the, the way you feel. Envy could be the root issue. And you can be set free from that. The Holy Spirit is using this word to counsel you, to show you that your unhappiness... Your discontent might not be because of some cosmic injustice. It might just be because of your sinful envy. And the good news is Psalm 73 shows us point number two, the cure for envy being satisfied in God. There is a cure for envy. We don't have to live there. We don't have to stay there. We don't have to just sit there in our self-pity. God can set us free. Look down with me at verse 16. We're going to read the rest of Psalm 73, 16, verses 16 down through 28. He says this, But when I thought about how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until, okay, until I went into the sanctuary of God. And then, then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O oh Lord. When you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it's good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. This is, you see the turning point in verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. When he came into God's presence, when he brought this to the Lord, when he entered into God's sanctuary, when he started thinking about God, it was like the fog seemed to go away. It was wearisome. He was exhausted. He was having self-pity. He was tired of thinking about it. He was tired of envying. And then he comes to the Lord, and it's like the fog burns away. It's like when the morning sun burns away the fog in the morning. That's what God's presence does to our envy. This fog of angst and bitterness and self-pity. When we're with God, it just burns away. He needed to get his eyes off of himself, off of his circumstances, off the advantages of others, and onto the Lord. That's what happened. He entered in. They're singing God's praises. I don't know what it was. He doesn't tell us what it was, but in God's sanctuary, his eyes were drawn to the Lord, and that changed everything. And we see this in our text. The whole first half of Psalm 73 is just I and they. They have this. Here's me. Here's what they have. Here's what I have. I this. Oh, poor me. Oh, look at them. And just I, they. I, they. I, they. And then the second half It's just filled with God. Thoughts about God, you, Lord, you. Look down at the text. It's just over and over and over. Verse 18, you set them in slippery places, you make them fall. Verse 20, when you rouse yourself, you despise. Verse 23, I'm with you. You hold my right hand, you guide me, you're going to receive me. Whom am I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth I desire besides you. You are my portion. You are my strength. Man, it's just filled with thoughts about God. That's what he needed. That's what envy needs. We need to get our eyes off of everything here and turn our gaze to the Lord. Think about your week. Think about this past week. Are you thinking about God? Are you meditating on God? Are you singing praises to God? Are you praying to God? That's why this Cornerstone you next week is so needed, personal devotions, because we start our day getting our eyes on God. I need you, Lord. I'm desperate for you. I'm tempted to have self-pity. I'm thinking about this. I'm envying, Lord. I want to get my eyes on you today. Singing praises to God. It's such a gift. We come in here. It's just the Lord's wisdom. Every Sunday, first day of the week, we gather together. And what do we start by doing? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Doesn't it just serve your soul when you come in on Sunday? And we start singing and we're singing psalms and we're directing our gaze to God. It serves my soul. Because I need to get my eyes off of myself. Someone asked me recently about why we choose the songs we sing. And one of the things we talked about was, man, we want songs rich in truth about God. I need God. I need truth about God. I need to sing to God. I don't need to sing about my emotions and my feelings. There's that all week. I got six days of that. I need a day of God. You know, give me truth about God today. His mercy, his goodness. He's with us. He'll never leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's sovereign. He's mighty. He's good. You just get your heart going there. And all of a sudden, you're stumbling and you find your feet are stable because it's about God. That's what happens in the Psalms. See, at its core, envy is not a horizontal problem. That's what we think. It's because they have and I don't have. Envy is a vertical problem. We think the problem is others, but ultimately our problem is with God. Because we're discontent and dissatisfied with what God has given us. It's a heart problem. Our heart is the issue. And when when the psalmist draws near to God, it changes his perspective. You see that in verse 17. When he came into the sanctuary of God, look down at 17, this is what he discerns. I discerned their end. See, he's tempted to look at current circumstances, Randy Alcorn, I've shared this before, but it's so, I've it just been thinking about it this week. Randy Alcorn, he's an author and a speaker. He's served me over the years. His ministry is called Eternal Perspectives Ministry. He writes fiction books and books about heaven and eternity just to get our eyes, to expand our horizon, to get us thinking eternal thoughts. And he often uses this illustration of the dot in the line. He says, picture A dot with a line going out it, just through the wall, through the field, into eternity, on forever. He says, Our life is the dot. Eternity is everything that comes after it. See, what Envy does and what Asaph is doing in the first half is he's just focused on the dot. He's examining the dot. He's studying the dot. What do they have? How come they're not suffering? How come they're prospering? Why do they get to go on vacation? Why do they get these good things and I don't? And when he goes into the sanctuary of God, it's like the camera lens zooms out and he sees the dot and he sees the line going into eternity. And he discerns this is what matters, this is what's important. It's not the dot. It's the line, and he sees the reality. Verse 18, you set them in slippery places. Remember in verse 2, he almost slipped. Now he sees, no, they're the ones on thin ice here. Verses 19 through 20, they're, they're destroyed in a moment. He says in verse 20, like a dream when one awakes. You ever had a nightmare, and you, you wake up, and you're so relieved it was a dream? I mean, that, that's just a, it's a funny feeling because when, when I'm having a bad dream or a nightmare or something and you're just stuck somewhere in this dream and it's like a loop you can't get out of and you wake up and you realize, oh, oh it's my bed, it's my pillow. It was just a dream, you know, it's, it's okay. It's, everything's going to be all right. It's this relieving feeling. It wasn't real. He says for the wicked, it's the other way around. They're going to wake up in a moment to God's judgment And they're going to realize the prosperity was the dream. And they're going to enter into, he says, it's just he sees the line. He sees what's coming for them. It changes his perspective. Listen, all those who live life apart from God, living as if there is no God, living as if this world is all there is, will wake up in a moment to the reality of, of a holy, just, all-knowing, all-powerful, sovereign God who we are accountable to as his creatures made in his image. That's what he sees. He's not studying their life and their advantages. He's studying what happens when they die. And it terrifies him. It's terrifying. Listen, the good news for us today is we don't have to wake up to judgment. We don't have to wake up to a nightmare because God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to live in our place and die for our sins, including our envy, so we can be saved. So we don't have to fear God's judgment. We can look at that line and think, that is a glorious line. Because I get to be with the Lord for all eternity. And that's where he arrives. That's where the psalmist gives us as, as, he, as he lifts his eyes to God, as he sings praises to God, as he's remembering the Lord. He's aware. I get to be with God. There's nothing I want besides you. There's this, these things I was envying, these things I was craving compared to you, they're nothing, Lord. I want you. I want to be with you. Instead of comparing What others have and what we don't have or what others are that we're not, here's the comparison we should be making. Compare what you deserve from God and what you actually receive. That's the comparison we should be making because it's there when we realize how blessed we are. Instead of scrolling through all the things we don't have, all the things we're not doing, let's scroll through all the ways God has blessed us that we don't deserve. Envy reminds us of everything we don't have, okay? Grace reminds us of everything we do have that we don't deserve. Let me say that again. Listen, envy reminds us of everything we don't have. Grace reminds us of everything we do have that we don't deserve. If you are given to envy, let me just, this is a small suggestion. This is not, you don't have to do this. Just try this, okay? If you're a person that is prone to be on social media a lot and you realize Psalm 73 is counseling you and you see you're prone to envy, just take a week, one week, take a break, from scrolling on social media and use that time to just meditate on all the things you have that you don't deserve. See if it changes your joy this week. I have a feeling it will. It's this God-centered perspective that changes the psalmist. He's changed. We can be changed. We don't have to live in envy. We can be changed. We can be counseled from God's word. Look at the transformation. In verses 18 through 20, his thoughts have changed towards the wicked. Instead of envying them, he's concerned for them. He's praying for them. Verses 21 through 22, his thoughts about himself have changed. Instead of wallowing in self-pity, he's repentant towards the Lord. He says in verse uh, 22, I was stupid towards you, God. I was being dumb. He's repentant towards the Lord, and then his thoughts about God have changed. No longer is he thinking, God's unjust, God's not good to me. He's thinking, Lord, all I want is you. Verse 23, God is with him. God holds his right hand. Verse 24, you guide me with your counsel. That's what God is doing right now this morning. He's counseling us with his word. God will sustain him. Verse 24, afterward, you're going to receive me into glory. He realizes he gets to be with God. And it leads to this amazing praise in verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth I desire besides you. This is the anthem of a soul satisfied in God. Whether possessions or wealth or fame or approval or health, nothing compares to knowing you, Lord. And this is what I love, verse 28. This is where he lands. Okay, remember in verse 2 As for me, my feet had almost stumbled. I was going down, Lord. I felt I was tripping, I was stumbling, I was struggling in my soul with envy. Verse 28. But for me, it's good to be near God. That's where he lands. And listen, God can do that in your life as well this morning. If you came in here feeling like you were stumbling, you can go from, as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. But as for me, it is good to be near the Lord. You can go from, I was envious of the wicked to there's nothing on earth I desire besides you. God delivered Asaph and God can deliver you as well. He can deliver you from your envy. He can set you free from envy. He gave us his word. He counsels us. He convicts us by his Holy Spirit. He reminds us of the good news of the gospel, that we can be forgiven of this sin, that we can turn from it and turn to him and receive forgiveness. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. He gives us the fruit of the Spirit, which is all The opposite of envy, if you study it, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, all of those are opposed to envy, and God gives us his spirit. He can set you free from this. You can be counseled from his word, and you can be set free. And we can say with verse 28, but for me, it is good to be near God. And that's what we want to do right now. This, today is Second Sunday Ministry. We're going to have a time of Second Sunday Ministry where we're going to have a prayer time. We'll have pastors and members of our prayer team down here to pray for you. And what we want to do is we want to draw near God. We want to, we want to sing to the Lord, and we want to pray for one another, and we want to remind ourselves of the goodness of God and truth of who God is, whether you need healing or encouragement or your soul is just struggling and and you think, I want to draw near God. We'll draw near God with you in prayer. And we want to seek the Lord and be satisfied in him. So if you need prayer for any reason, please feel free to come and be prayed for. And I want to invite the prayer teams to come up. I want to invite the band to come up. Let's all stand together as I pray for us this morning. And then we'll return to singing and our second Sunday ministry. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for Psalm 73, which is counsel for our souls. And I pray, I pray for everybody here this morning, everybody who watches on the live stream Pray you would set us free from the poison of envy. Satisfy us this morning in your steadfast love, O Lord. Show us your goodness. Show us your grace. Show us the blessings we have in you, O God. Set us free. Show us your goodness. We draw near to you, Lord. For all those struggling, I pray that you would help them and deliver them this morning, Father. In Jesus' name.